0: Afternoons with Staffy on a Thursday, a lot of fun today, talking to a couple of track and field athletes, Sam Tanner, our Kiwi 1500 metre runner, that ran 3.31 at the Commonwealth Games 1500 metres as he builds towards this weekend's Cooks Classic. In Whanganui this weekend, also competing there in the 400 metres is Rosie Elliott, a real character of the track and field scene uh, with New Zealand Athletics. So it's a fantastic event. So Sam Tanner, Rosie Elliott both joined us. And Dave Mangan from Golf New Zealand uh, as the Charles Tour has teed off today at Bridge Par Golf Course at the Hastings Golf Club. Uh, First of nine events on the local golf scene. So good to catch up with Dave as well. We played the vault. We played the vault, and it might have been opened. So you can have a listen to that. It was uh, $200 worth um, of TAB bonus bets. Thank you to the TAB. Uh, What's Making News played as well. We had a look back in the day. And Midday Madness had some great reminiscing uh, moments there. We asked you, who was the one athlete that played in an era outside of your life you wish you had been around to witness? Think Prost and Senna. Think Michael Jordan. Think Ben Hogan and we had some fantastic calls on that as part of Midday Madness. Good to have your company here on the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, and then you won't miss a beat. This is the Afternoons with Staffy podcast.
1: Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
0: Good afternoon, all. We've hit Thursday. We've hit the 26th of January. Cranking on through. Good show. Good fun today. Really interested in your input in the opening stanza of Midday Madness. Pick an athlete or a group of athletes that played in an era outside of your of your life, of your living life, who you wish you could have seen live or been in the era at the same time that they were performing. Um, Younger people might say Michael Jordan. Uh, younger people might say uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Uh, Prost Senna. What a duel that was. I remember that. But Sammy Hewitt, who's a big Formula One fan, he he wasn't in that era to witness it. Me, personally, my favourite golfer that I've never seen play was uh, Ben Hogan. Just that golf swing. I would have loved to have been around in his era just to watch him. And then of course the Gary player Sam Sneed, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer. Um, I do remember Jack Nicholas's 1986 Masters win, but not really the ones before that. That was a heck of a rivalry between those top golfers. So the athletes of yesteryear you would have loved to see within their era, not transport them to this era, but within their era, like Don Bradman. Those sorts of people. Tell us who they'd be. Colin Meads. Don Clark. Walker Nathan. The 1924 Invincibles. Oh, there's so many. Uh, let us know who yours are. I would have loved to been around for the start of Muhammad Ali. I was there for the very end, but the start of Cassius Clay and Muhammad Ali and that Larry Holmes, Jerry Cooney, Joe Bugner, all of those heavyweights in that era. Loved it. I would have loved it. Um, 0800 150 11 to give us your thoughts of uh, eras of yesteryear. Also on the show today, Sam Tanner. He's a 1500-metre runner. Um, and Rosie Elliott is a 400-metre runner. They're very cool people, uh, New Zealand track and field athletes. And there's a big event on in Wanganui this weekend, the Cooks Classic. They just had the POTS in uh, Hawke's Bay at Ten Park down there in Hawke's Bay. A fantastic venue and steeped in history, the Whanganui one. Um So do get along and have a look at that if you get the chance. And Dave Mangan, he is the Golf New Zealand Championships and Operations Manager. Uh, The Charles Tour is teeing off this morning. In fact, uh, the morning guys are all through at least nine holes. And I'll keep you up to date on that leaderboard. It's the next tier of golfers. Well worth going and having a watch if you're in that region. Uh, Nine events this year. And so we'll catch up with Dave Mangan about uh, what's in store for our professional golfers. A few amateurs join in as well, men and women. Um, it's a great initiative by New Zealand Golf and Jenny and Holmes who really support that well, which is fantastic here on Afternoons with Staffy. Uh, and you know it's an association with Gull. They fuel your mission all year round. And today, until midday tomorrow, 12 cents off their already economical prices. So you've got... Pretty much 24 hours to go and tank up with the great team at Gull, and uh, we really appreciate their um, partnership with us on this show. All right, let's go for Midday Madness.
2: Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness.
0: Andrew, if you can't get on the phone, you're welcome to text us as well on the team prepared post text machine, which is double eight, double three. We've already had three people through um, saying their athletes. They would have liked to be in the era to witness it. But we go to Brent in Wellington. G'day, Brent.
3: Afternoon, Stabby. Yeah, i got two for your brother. Yes. One of them was a big Maori centre called Johnny
0: Smith. Johnny Smith played league and rugby for New Zealand, didn't he?
3: I think it was the 50s one, staffed.
0: Yeah, I think he was, was the first the Yeah, he was the first dual international in those two codes. I think.
3: He sounds like New Zealand's version of Danny, Danny Goober, bro.
0: Yes, yes.
3: He was quite quite a big boy. They tell me, but yeah, yeah I'd have liked to have seen him play. Yeah. And the other one I would have liked to have seen Staffy, was the guy that set the Lions try scoring record in 59, Tony O'Reilly.
0: Right. That's a good memory. Hey. V- very good winger eh brother Yes mate Good good on you Brent They are good memories
4: Oh, to be a- too,
0: brother Oh o- to be able to get into a time machine And just go and witness it for a couple of months Hey eh?
3: Stan the worst part is I only missed it by three years I was born in 62 bro <laughs>
0: <laughs> And they didn't have YouTube then So you couldn't go back and watch <laughs> Nah Cheers mate Good on you Brent Good on you uh, Let's go good to Dean you. out of Dunedin G'day Dean
3: yeah, Steph Cracker here. Got a admit, geez, she's one out of the box. She has not bad for a wee while. For me, like, fullback was always my gig, so I loved watching old um, Sirs Blanco, Alan Hewson. Cullen was both head and shoulders, the best I'd ever seen. And unfortunately, Will Jordan's just not getting a crack at it. He could actually be as good. But the man that they all talk about that I'd never, ever seen play, but he, they still mention him, so it must have been something pretty special And the rugby was brutal back then with a fellow by the name of George Nepia.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's held in such high regard by rugby historians George Nepia.
3: Absolutely, and that's what I mean. Like, for them to say the words they do about the guys, he must have been special to be a fullback. Back in that era, the forwards just beat the puss out of one another, you know, and that was it. The score was, you know, 6-3 or something like that. But they just rave and rave about it. Counter-attacking ability, his running ability. So for me, he must have been, or Cullen must have been similar. You know, mm. I, I don't know. I think that much. And then another one, and I believe I don't know that much about golf, but a young fellow who had as a um, or he lived with us in Cromwell, uh, Josh Kahukora was the name. He was pretty damn good at golf, but he he always talked about some guy, Sam Snead.
4: Yeah. As
3: being real special, but didn't probably get the accolades or win whatever that he could have won. I'm not sure, but he he knew Golf I didn't, but he must have been pretty good.
0: He was amazing. So Sam Sneed was sort of just before we well played at the same time as Palmer player and Nicholas, but he was the older statesman of them all and he just he just won them for fun. And back in those days like Gene Sarzen and um, Byron Nelson all of those sorts of guys, and for me, Ben Hogan, um, he was before all of them, he, he was he was amazing, he had a very serious car accident at the peak of his career, but if you ever want to go and have a look at the most pure golf swing ever, I'd suggest Ben Hogan had it.
3: Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd agree, and then if you go to motorsport, old Nicky Lauda would be
4: mm. one as
3: well, that must have been right up there, but unfortunately he had a wicked accident, but yeah, good on them. I mean, they're, they're all legends. That's that's why we love sports staff. Mm. At the end of the day, they just set a pathway. And as the, the All Blacks say, they're just custodians of the jersey. You know, they want the next guy to be better. They don't beat up on them anymore. They, they pass on as much info as they can. The classic hares with Aaron and Okotawa. You know, it's the apprentice and the uh, foreman type thing, you know, like. It is. It's, that's great. That's that's great. New Zealand rugby have got the foresight to do those type of things. I think they should do it a little bit more, but um, at least we get to reap the benefits here in Dunedin.
0: Yep, that's it, mate. That is it. Are yeah, you, are you, uh How are you feeling ahead of the Highlanders Super Rugby season?
3: Oh, if I had Carlos's boy, I'd be way happier. But um, now nah, they'll just battle again. But it is what it is. I mean, you can't blame. You can't, if you get a chance to go to Auckland or Canterbury at the moment as a young kid, you, you can't not take that, you know? Although we could offer Carlos the starting full-back position all year. I think Sullivan's still at the Blues, and I really rate that kid. But, yeah, unfortunately, it must be dollars and cents. Oh, I don't know, but that, that boy will be very, very special. His old man was special, let's be honest. Just didn't throw one more pass. But there's what it is.
0: Yeah, good it's stuff, very, Dino. Uh, is, mate, Enjoy place. your day down there. Dean uh, out at the need We go to Darren and Aussie. G'day, Darren.
4: G'day, Steffi. How are you? Good, Darren. Mate, just enjoying your day off. What What? What better way to have a good bludge with me, Sheila on Australia Day?
0: Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Australia. I've been in Australia on Australia Day once. It's a pretty big event.
4: Oh, it's great when it's on a Thursday because everyone takes Friday as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Um, two for me. Um, one would be a pine tree. Just wished I could have been, I would have been, like I was born in 74, so yeah, I didn't see much of him, um, and the second one for me is a, is a big, I'd love to have been watching in court, so I would be uh, Rocket Rod Laver, oh, yeah. that would be, oh, that would be so good, yeah, so they're my two, hopefully, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you'll. They're all right,
0: no, they're good. Um, Rod Laver, I hadn't even thought of him, but um, again, before my time. But sound, what he achieved sounds pretty damn special, doesn't it? No, I, I don't even know if I've actually seen footage of him hitting a tennis ball. I might go and see if I can find some.
4: Oh, it's poetry in motion, is, is it what really? I'll say? Mm. it's like watching an older, like a you know, Federer, Federer is like a new version of him, it's just so majestic, just so clean. Okay, so
0: I'm gonna yeah. go and have a find of it, I'm gonna go and find it.
4: Thanks, mate. Good on Great you, buddy. Topic.
0: See you, mate. Um, Darren out of Melbourne. Uh, we go to Joey in Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Um, the,
4: the, um,
2: the boxer, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes. Uh, I never ever saw him box. He was just before Ali. Who was the one that, that, the heavyweight that you would know this, never lost about um,
0: Rocky Marciano.
2: Rocky Mar- Marciano. That's the other one I, I would have loved to, to have seen. The box, and um, and the the league I would love to see. He, he coached me for a year, um, many years ago, was Tom Baxter. Well Tom Baxter brought in, you know, when John Coon came onto the scene, and he used to, they used to go to try to tackle him, and he'd stretch, you know, he'd break the tackle. Yeah. I reckon Tommy Baxter used to do that in league all the time. I reckon he was renowned for it. So they come across he, had, he was solid, and and he was only about about five foot nine. And they, he was he's built like a, a brick sanso, and um, he used to um, run and they come come across to tackle him, and he just he bust them, bust them like what? Eric Gross and those guys, and 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 he was one of the first to do that. And I I noticed um, when John's Coon come on the scene, he did a lot of that when he was running. But um, they were the ones for me, and and maybe two, the, the footballer, first, and Bobby Bobby Charlton. I never saw him on Man United myself, but I never saw Bobby Charlton play.
0: Ah, George Best. Apparently he was pretty handy too, those sorts of guys. He was handy with a, with a, with a glass
2: of beer too, wasn't he? Yeah,
0: that's apparently so. <laughs> good point, good point. Top man. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, Joey, sorry. Right, Cheers, buddy. Uh, a lot of text messages too. Um, uh Particularly this one, Steffi and Sam, your show starting to feel like a YouTube top 10 list. Sort it out, fellas. Cheers. Thanks, Ollie. Um, I tell you what, so many calls, so many texts. Um, people like the subject. People like the subject. It's not a top 10 list. It's just, I love it. You know what works? What people like talking about is nostalgia. That's one thing we have found is um, you know, reliving the past, and I never want to stop celebrating past athletes and and all that's been achieved. And so, if you've got any that you would have loved to been around in the era, where they were playing, when they were playing at the peak of their powers, um, gosh, um, I'm just trying to think of um, Eddie Merckx would have been one for me as well. Uh, long thought of as the best cyclist ever. Eddie Merckx. Anyway, 0800 150 811 is the number to call. Um, Athletes of yesteryear, which you could transport back and go and just be in that era and watch them perform at their peak. Take your calls after the break. And the phone number is 800 talking about who is the one athlete or group of athletes that played in an era outside of your life who you wish you could have seen live. We've had some absolute rippers so far. We're going to join Jeff. G'day, Jeff.
5: Yeah, g'day, Steffi. Um, I'd like to say that um, if I could pick two or three guys to go over there with and talk sport, they'd be yourself, Smithy and B, mate. Um, really enjoy it. Hey, um, I read a, a book, I've read it a couple of times and some other sporting books about the 1905 All Blacks. I don't know if I brought that up, but that's a fantastic read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book by Lloyd-Jones, I think, Game for All Men or something like that. I can't quite remember what it was called. And it's just a fantastic account of that 1905 tour, and you can just live it. And as you read it, the, 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 a lot of the excerpts taken from diaries and from um, actual interviews of some of the older guys on that tour. And there was a back line made up of superstars. Uh, there was a guy called George Smith on the wing. He played wing and centre. He was just magical. And then you had Stead in the midfield, Hunter in the midfield. They could play 5-8 as well. You had... Um, one of the heartbe- uh, anyway, uh, uh, there was a halfback who he was pretty damn good, and Wallace at fullback, uh, and he was a magician as well. And just those guys ran rings around the ponds, um, certainly early on in the tour before they all got sick uh, tired, but that's, they were just fantastic. And if you named a, a, an all-time all-black back line in particular, you'd have to have one or two of those guys in it. I recommend finding those or that book. And it's Just good, uh, fantastic
6: read. It's
0: called the Book of Fame.
5: The Book of Fame.
0: That's it. That's it. I've just found Lloyd it by Lloyd Jones. There we go. It's got massively uh, high ratings and book reviews. So there you go. The Book of Fame. Very good recommendation. I like that.
5: Yeah, John. He um, was the guy that he was. Uh, he was a newsreader and uh, on TV and. Uh, uh, what's his name, John Campbell. John Campbell, I remember he recommended it too. Oh, okay. and he's a big rugby follower. And, uh, yeah, it's a, I've read it a couple of times, I, not for three or four years, but um, I don't know what's the copy I have, but I'm, I'm going to hunt it out and read it again because it, that that book, there's a little bit of public licence in it, apparently, uh, Lloyd-Jones admits, and some of it may not be entirely accurate, but it there's a lot of it based around The trials and tribulations are going all over the UK, playing a game, sort of three games a week, you've got a midweek game, and you're on trains and and ships, and you're dealing with a a great story about um, the Scots treated them with disdain. They just didn't want to play them. The Scots raped them, and the Scots made it extremely difficult for them to play them. Brown was rock hard with ice. They hadn't put hay on it the night before. Um, yeah, the Scots, in fact, I'm Scottish by the sink uh, and, and it makes me embarrassed uh, the way they were treated by the Scots. Uh, the Irish were fantastic um, and some of the Welsh uh, and that game where um, Deans was pulled back from the line is a great read as well. You actually had one of the all-black bats as a as one of the linesmen as well, because he could, and he tells uh, he he till, till his deathbed, he he claimed that it, it was the, the guy was pulled back definitely, and uh, the, the ref was in in a suit and, and boots and, and, and a, you know a hat sort of twenty five meters away. Um, by the time he got there, yeah, they pulled pulled the, pulled Deans back, and Deans was a God fearing man a man of God, and, 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 and he claimed as well that he... And there was a telegram from Deans to one of his family members back in New Zealand and that said, try was scored, I was pulled back. So it's a it's a good read, I reckon, that's to anyone who's a, a real rugby follower. Brilliant. You hear about people talking about great rugby players, and I heard someone talk about Nipia, and there's a good book called I, George Nipia, or I, yeah, I, George Nipia recounts that 24 tour where they were um, just, I think they were unbeaten as well I've, I've, uh, um, yeah, they'd played um, fantastic rugby um, and you know, no, no one sort of goes back past about the 70s 60s and 70s when they're recounting great teams it's always full of guys from the 80s, 90s and 2000s but um, never forget those early trials
0: Yep, the Brownlees, um and co, yep. the, the 924 24 teams, the Invincibles Yep, I've actually got a, an original photo of the signed photo of that 1924 Invincibles at home.
4: Yeah,
5: that, 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 that would be very valuable. Mm. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's also a, a great um, few chapters in that book uh, that Lloyd-Jones wrote about the the, the over there on the ship and how they actually came through the forwards to one well, of the minors. They shovelled coal in the boilers to keep fit. Um, <laughs> you know, they did all sort, They ran around the deck twice a day. Um, they had training sessions, scrum sessions. Um, uh, the backs were passing and, and doing their moves on the, the ship's deck um, a couple of times a day. Um, fantastic. It's just uh, a different way. Well, you know, it took them six to get there. They stopped off on Monday of the day when one of the players got a... I think he, he got a, uh, an STD uh, from... Of local girls, and he never quite recovered. They never really said who it was, but um, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, well
0: worth anyway, awesome. it. Great nostalgia, Jeff. Thanks so much. Good story. Thank you. Um, let's go to Christchurch. Mikey, g'day, Mikey.
7: Oh, Staffy, God, it's so hot. I need my Fruju, mate. Pushing a mar in this heat is no fun.
0: <laughs> if you buy Fruju at the moment from a Z service station or something like that, some, some service station, you get a free air freshener. So there you go.
7: Oh, there you go. Um, There's a a whole team I would have loved to have seen live, which would have been the 95, 6, 7 All Blacks, but one in particular who I never got to see, even for counties or anything when they came down, was the great Jonah. Um, I think people forget that, although being a beast of a guy, I mean, people are big now, but back when when people were never that big and that fast and that agile, Mm. um, just to see that in the flesh, I mean, you see a lot on TV, but to see it live, um, that would have been something else. And I, bitterly, uh, I wish I'd managed to see that in, in, in the live. It would have been amazing.
0: Yeah, well, um, I did, and it was a sight oh, to behold. It was a, I saw him as a 16- or 17-year-old on the backgrounds wow. in Palmy at the Telecom National Sevens playing for counties. And I was just walking to the main grounds to watch the main, and I looked over and I thought, what's that mountain? And then I just whistle, <laughs> whistled to my mates and said, "Let's watch this game instead." He was unbelievable.
7: Uh, and I think any—I mean, obviously, overseas um, um, people watching it when he when he burst onto the scene, just to see that for the first time mm. would have would have just stuck in the mind. Would have been godsmacking. So, mm. and Cully would have been amazing too. But there you go for my mind. Brilliant, enjoy. Mikey.
0: Thanks, buddy. Excellent. um, Gosh, there were some good ones. Um, And nostalgia works, eh? Uh, Fantastic uh, text from... uh, There is a name there. Liam. Welcome back, Staffy. Love the lists of nostalgia you guys bring. Wish I could go back and relive the entirety of the All-Whites 2010 World Cup journey. From the whiteout at Westpac Stadium to being the only undefeated team at the 2010 World Cup. The joy and pride I felt as a Kiwi was on a level... Never before, and has been hard to beat. Yeah, fantastic. Um, 0800 150 811. Loving these stories. Keep them coming. We'll join you after we join Johnny Mac with the news.
2: Oh, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Ah. Yeah.
0: Uh, someone texted in. We just had that call about uh, the book of fame by Lloyd Jones. He's the brother of Sir Bob Jones, also former journalist with the Evening Post back in the eighties. Thank you for that intel. I actually want to read that book. That guy sold it. If, he's, if he works for Penguin Books or whoever the uh, publisher is, it's made me want to read. I love those stories of yesteryear. All part of the building blocks of the. Of the black jersey that we support now, and I think it's really important historically to um, acknowledge what's gone on before. I think it's really, really important. So we've had some beauts. I'm I'm quite keen to go into the producer's house and ask uh, the two younger roosters than me because the ones that they were like to be around, I was probably around for them. So, Sammy, Hmm. you've been listening to these. Where where do you sit? Um, Well, I've got one that... um... (laughs)
8: You know, and most people probably think I go Wayne Gretzky, you know, given ice hockey. But um, I actually, for me, it's MJ, Michael Jordan, because those sort of years from 1990 to 2000, I was alive, but I was only, you know, four, five, six, seven years old. So didn't really understand and get it. Whereas now being sort of 30 years old and being a bit more educated and appreciative, I would just love to now be able to watch that live, that era. So I think Michael Jordan would be up there for me. You did mention the Formula One um, Prost Senna. Prost Senna, which, given that I'm a Formula 1 fan now and I know a little bit of the history, I'd love to go back and sort of watch those things. That was phenomenal. And even, um, to an extent, Tiger. Because once again, it's sort of his peak. I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, but I wasn't a big into golf golf at the time. So, you know, that's something that I'd like to, that I sort of missed out on, as it were. Although I do remember at the time, you know, and all the celebrations and everything. Um, which is the same with Schumacher. Like, I never watched Formula 1, but I knew all about Michael Schumacher. He was my favourite driver, and even though I'd never watched Formula 1. So, yeah, those are a couple for me, sort of in around that 90s, 2000s. Um,
0: I'm going to get Captain Case While while I'm doing that, Mm. I want you to YouTube Ben Hogan golf swing.
8: I know you've told me about this many a times, and people say he's got the most purest swing or something, don't they? Oh, amazing. Actually, and I'll throw in there as well sort of like 80s rugby league, because they were just... Yeah, they were obviously big punch ups, but they just flung the ball around. It was just a different game, you know, it was just hectic and they flung the ball around and there were big hits and there were dust ups and it was just different. And I just would have liked to have just watched a few games live in Mm. that era, you know, Mm. with the wallies and stuff. So that's me, Captain K. Oh,
1: I'd probably go along the same road as you, Sammy, sticking on NBA. I'd actually go for Wilt Chamberlain. As one, just because of mainly for the stuff off the court, uh, is what (laughs) I'd say. It's just so. There were no cameras. (laughs) No, no. The stories that you hear about Will Chamberlain, obviously, he scored 100 points with no proof. Uh, I believe that he did it because he was just a freak of nature, but he could have been a long jump champion. He could have been a high jump champion. Uh, Apparently, his 100 meter was off the charts and his bench press, just that stuff like that. I genuinely believe he is one of those freaks of nature. Uh, The other one for me is probably Pele. There's a lot of, obviously, Rest in peace to the good man. Um, He's obviously an all-time great of football. But I think it's, uh, I just wanted to see the way that he did it. Because when you talk about Pelé, people talk about, oh, he did it first and he did all these things that they do in the modern game. And so I'd love to take it back to his day and just see someone who was an absolute entertainer on the pitch, doing something that no one else on the pitch could do. So I think Pelé, for me, would be my footballer staff.
8: Mm. That's not bad. Probably throw Maradona in there as well because that was the 80s, so... Throw him in there.
0: I remember Maradona just I wasn't <laughs> much of a football watcher but I used to love watching him. I wasn't around for Pele. Um, and I first got him enjoying basketball in the Magic Johnson um Larry Bird time and the Lakers were my team back there, and it was you know I was young but you know and I've often said my favorite NBA player of all time was James Worthy who was the number 42, to Magic Johnson's number 32. And James Worthy, to me, um, was just... He was like Scottie Pippen was to Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. He he was that guy. Um, and the, But in that era, there was um, Dr. J, Julius Irving, Charles Barclay, the Twin Towers, Ralph Sampson, Hakeem Olajuwon. That, that to me, is the era that Captain K's going through with Steph Curry and... Um, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and, and LeBron
1: and all those guys back in those days. That, I was so connected to. Well, it. Well, that'll
8: be that'll, you know, that'll be people in
1: thirty or forty years, won't it? Talking mm-hmm. about the, the Kevin Durant, LeBron
8: James, you know, Steph Curry era, and you know, people will talk about Tiger. Oh, I wish I'd seen Tiger Woods, but you know, like there'll mm-hmm. be uh, yeah, there's going to be some interesting ones come sort of twenty, thirty years, the next generation who have never seen some of these athletes.
0: Let's do this again in ten years' time, then. Wow. And see okay. what ones pop up. Sure. Yeah, when we're doing the uh,
8: n- the New Zealand nationwide breakfast show to a million people and, uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting paid the big bucks.
1: Ten-year prediction. With, with Jimmy Carr on board as with well. Jimmy with Jimmy well, Carr. Well, he's actually
8: ringing us. We don't have time to slot him in today, so mm. we're going to have to leave him because, um, yeah, we're talking to Barack Obama and... Um,
0: Condoleezza. Rice, I know <laughs> 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 Another call. Uh, this will be a good one. Ed, Kia ora, Ed. Kia ora, Stephie. Hey, there's a book out
9: there: 100 Years of East Coast Rugby." Yes. Given here. Well, I'm in it.
0: Hey. <laughs> hey, you Hi. were you were around in your era, so you can't pick you.
5: No, that's why. Right.
0: Uh, but my dad was in there. Oh. Uh, dad was in
5: 1953. Played. Uh, played in. Um, East Coast for the Shield challenge against Wellington. Yeah, 1953. Apparently, Wellington was stacked with all blacks. So that's a good read.
0: That would be a good read. I love historical stuff. Yeah, and I'd
5: love to see my old man play.
0: Mm.
5: He was a um, second five standoff. Mm. Can gold score tries?
0: Do all of it. Has um, Poverty Bay got a club side? Gisborne? They got a club side called Pirates. Yes, they do. Yeah, my dad played for Pirates, Locke. Oh, sure, ba- sure. Cha- ba- Locke Stafford? Back, back, at, back in the day, Bruce Stafford, Locke, Pirates. Oh, Bruce Stafford. Yeah.
10: Hey,
0: what are you doing? I'm making a sandwich. I to Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the sandwich, Ed?
5: Oh,
9: I've got a roast chicken here, my
0: bro. Oh, that's the story. Not cooked by you, eh? Cooked at the supermarket. Oh, you
9: yeah, man. Easy as. Just go in there, <laughs> pick you up a roast chicken, take get some bread, butter, slap it together. Oh,
0: bachelor's handbag. I like that, Ed. <laughs> I like that. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you, Brett See, see you, mate. Um, oh, warm roast chicken sandwich, fresh bread, a little bit of butter, maybe a little bit of um, mayo or something like that. Be magnificent. A lot of text messages, really good memories coming through. 0800 First hour calls get precedence. in fact always calls get precedents so if you want to give us a yell about your memories in an era you would have liked to have witnessed particular particular athletes or teams or even competitions like nba's in the 80s or 90s or the nfl back in the joe montana days or baseball back in the ty Cobb days or babe ruth would have been amazing 0800 150 811 give us a yell absolute rippers of text messages comes through, Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine bed post where you're going to get your temper goodies comfortable comfortable uh, from John, I would have loved to have seen Jesse Owens in Berlin and also gone to the very first Olympic Games in Greece also would have loved to have gone to the Gladiator Arena to watch the chariots and fighting wow you're going back a long way John but I appreciate that Um, Morris Brownlee and his brothers played for the All Blacks and Hawke's Bay Ranfurly Shield era back in the 20s it was said that when his brother Cyril was sent off in a test match against England he played like a man possessed and he avenged his brother by demolishing the England pack yarn good yarn love it Uh, from Kent Staffy 71's Lions guys like uh, John Dawes David Duckham Barry John Gareth Edwards I didn't see them but I wish I had And Nelson Piquet in the Formula One, which I did. Nelson Piquet, Brazilian, I think. Emerson Fittipaldi, Brazilian, I think. Yes, Um, John Player Special, I think, was his car or his team. Um, Jim from Tamuka, Staffy I would have liked to have seen Eddie Merckx race the to Tour de France, me too Sir so Don Bradman, Bat, me too and Tom Curran, Surf Pipeline Waimea Bay, etc three of the goats of sport Oh, I would love to watch Pipeline back in the Jerry Lopez and Michael Ho, Derek Ho oh the birth of surfing I would love to go to Pipeline and just sit on the beach, because it's so close. It's it's so close to the shore, too, so you can see it all. Um, actually, I'm thinking out loud here, but I follow this guy on Instagram, Tim Boynton, I think his name is, from Boynton, something like that. And he's got an Instagram account called Swell Chasers, and he's currently at Nazareth, which has the biggest surf in the world. And he's camp. he's been there about a week, because they've been told Monster Surf is coming, and he does a... Instagram live every night when I'm at home and I click on it and watch it and for his surf updates I might get him on on the show if I can I'll ask him he's a swell chaser along with all of these other massive big wave big wave surfers and it's all towing in with jet ski and stuff but he'd have some yarns so Tim Boyden I'll try and get him on um I have a few here um Colin Meads, Don Bradman, Palais, Dally Messenger, Winton Ruffer playing for Werder Bremen. George Best, Muhammad Ali, Kevin Hurley. Kevin Hurley, one of the great softballers. Good selection there. What a smorgasbord. The Ali era of heavyweight boxing for me from Dale. Yes, when there was uh, Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Ken Norton. There were so many good heavyweights back then. Um, Max Schmeling, was he early Ali? I think Max Schmeling, the uh, German as well. What an era of boxing that was. I'd love to, again, the Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Roberto Duran, Tommy Hearns, that era as well. Oh, me oh my. Um, I would have liked to have seen Bruce Lee in the flesh. Just the speed and fight knowledge, the demonstration on YouTube he has is just not enough. He was phenomenal, wasn't he? Just phenomenal. Uh, from Mark, I wish I could have seen a jousting festival, a few Roman gladiators and a jewel to the death when men were men. <laughs> Archaic, barbaric. Barry Briggs and Ronnie Moore, yes, fantastic. And the, and, and the next one says Ivan Major, so there you go, our fantastic speedway history there. Far Lap has come through from Carrie. Um, Cardigan Bay, Bel Marino. Um, this person's listed off a, a lot of horses Viander Cross Bone Crusher Give them all back to me <laughs> Nice um, I would have liked to seen your father play Rugby Union Staff <laughs> From Jaden So would I Never saw him play Never saw him play uh, Staffy Talking of legends uh, Did Butch get his jersey collection back from last year The Mad Butcher I don't know I'll text them and see if he got them back. I, I haven't heard that he did, actually. Oh, if I text him and ask him and he hasn't got them back, that's going to remind him he hasn't got them. Um, I'll text someone else that might know. Maybe I'll text Becky and just ask him if Butch got his jerseys back. He'd probably know. Good point, Sean. I will try and find that out for you. Kia ora, is a league fan, I'd love to see either Ken Irvine or Brian Bevan in their prime. Ken still holds the New South Wales Rugby League tri-scoring record with 212 cheers, Warrior and Oz I didn't know that that uh, Ken Irvine had the tri-scoring record I was talking to Sam before too that you know, he's a big leaguey he wasn't round in the Mark Graham Olsen, Filipina, Clayton Friend Fred Arcoy, James Lulawai Dana Hara Gary Kimball era of Kiwis Aussies, you know when Graham Lowe was coaching that was fantastic as well Um. From Greeny, I'd love to see a lot of Seve Baosteros. Ball- Born in 1968, I would have been around in his pomp, but I suppose we just didn't get it all on TV like we do now. Yeah, Greeny, Sevi, just an absolute magician in that little V-neck jersey with the yellow collar coming out the top. Fantastic. Uh, staff, I've been following NRL for over 30 years. The best player I saw was Cameron Smith. My best Kiwi League player, Ruben Wiki. Thank you, Jason out of Australia. More text messages to come and you're still welcome to call 0800 150 811.
1: Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh,
0: We've got a text in here from Rory. He's a very funny man, Rory. I feel like we need to create a little jingle play before we read Rory's text because he's he's the king of the one-liner and the dad jokes. He said, did you know Bruce Lee had a vegetarian cousin? His name was Broccoli. Not bad. (laughs) 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 JT. JT. Staff, I'd like to second what your caller said about the book of fame. It's so good. I've got a copy and I lent it to a workmate in his 20s who played rugby. He loved it, so he lent it to various mates and he told me it was the one book everybody had liked. It's a great topic. That's from Margaret. Fantastic. I'm going to have to get my hands on it. I've actually just texted a mate of mine who I would argue is one of New Zealand's biggest readers of sports books. He's, you go to his house, he's got bookcases full of sports books and he particularly loves historical stuff. So I've just texted him to ask him if he's um, if he's read that one. Um, and if he has, he'll probably say to me, do you want to read it? And I'll say yes. Hi, boys. From Chris. Uh, for me, there's heaps. Ali and his massive fights. The Rumble in the Jungle, Thriller thriller in Manila. I'd love to have seen Kiwi and Bone Crusher too, and 100% Dr. J as well. Even James J Braddock, Cinderella man from back in the day. There you go. Jersey Joe Walcott, John L. Sullivan. We're getting old now. Uh, Joe Louie as well, actually, for me, the Brown Bomber. Uh, From Mark, Hey guys, I would argue that it's not a good idea to watch these greats unless we say... They are not from the future. Most sports have changed so much that it could be very disappointing. Yep, no, we're not saying that, Mark. We're saying go back and watch them in their own eras because it's always you can't compare eras. So just be around at the time they were in their era, like Don Bradman, etc. I wonder what it was like to be a New Zealander when Sir Edmund topped Everest. I wonder what that was like. That was. Would it have been the first time a lot of the people in the rest of the world found out about New Zealand? (laughs) Sir Ed, I've actually just finished listening, I do a lot of podcast listening, about um, a group of, I'm going to say, 28, something like that, uh, tried to climb K2. Fascinating podcast. About 18 perished. Um, But they interviewed survivors of it. Harder to climb than Everest. Not as tall, but harder. The hardest mountain to climb in the world. K2. Fascinating. Staffy, the Kiwi League team of the 80s. Uh, Chuck and Mark Broadhurst, Graham West, uh, and the rest you mentioned, I could watch that all day. I'm the same. James Lulawai and Fred Arcoy for me. And Clayton Friend. I loved that era. And the great, it's Graham Lowe at the helm. In the stand. At Carlo Park. In the mud. Oh, yes. I did enjoy that. Coming up to one o'clock. We'll be back with Sam Tanner, track athlete, superstar.
1: Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
0: You're going to hear a bit of Wham today. Andrew Ridgely's birthday, who was the other half of uh, Wham alongside George Michael. Um, We're going to go track now. Track running with one of New Zealand's better performing athletes on the track last year, uh, competing in Oregon at the Worlds and then Commonwealth Games running Ridiculous Times. He's been a college athlete in the States. But I'm pretty sure he's permanently domiciled back in New Zealand. I'm not 100% sure. Let's go and find out. He's joining us now, 1500 metre runner, Sam Tanner. G'day, Sam. G'day, how you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you doing? How's your summer going? Oh, mate, it's been
10: pretty fun. Been a bit of fishing, a bit of running and a bit of surfing.
0: So, ha- happy days. I I had you describe to me a little while ago who's a passionate surfer that's quite good at running. <laughs>
10: Yeah, 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 that would probably still be the case.
0: (laughs) But what a year last year. I mean, um, I guess when you sit down at the start of years, you start at 2022, Looking, you've got Oregon, you've got the Commonwealth Games. When you got to Christmas and you're having your pavlova and you looked back at your last 12 months, did you tick off everything you wanted?
10: Um, Yeah, I I think so, eh? Like, most of the things I wanted, um, I always set pretty pretty high, you know, maybe slightly out of reach goals. Uh, and so I, I can't be disappointed with what I've achieved. But, um, yeah, I I definitely blew myself away in, in many ways last season. So I'm just super thankful to have, um, you know, the opportunity to do what I do. It's a pretty cool sport. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool wearing the fern on my chest
0: as well. And running 331 just quietly for a Commonwealth Games 1500 was... Did that exceed you, you know, you set lofty goals. Did you have a goal of a position or a goal of a time going into the Com Games?
10: Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. I uh, I definitely thought that if it was a little slower, I potentially could have meddled. Um, but, because, you know, Craig, my coach, had, had some good confidence in me and uh, as a 1500, so you never know what's going to happen. But I thought I was in maybe 333 or 332 shape and then to finish you know, crossing that line and look up at the big screen and see 331 pop up, I I was just, I was so stoked. And I didn't care what place I came. I ran 331 and, you know, ran faster than John Walker did. And so I was like, that, that you know, you couldn't <laughs> ask for more than that ever.
0: No, because really, um, in its purest form, track hasn't really had equipment advances like golf and cricket and tennis and all that sort of thing. It's just arms and legs and mind.
11: Yeah,
10: pretty much. There's been, you know, the last few years has been slight developments in shoes, but really it's just been, uh, just, yeah, some some quality training and um, getting to see how far you can push your body. Yeah.
0: So training-wise, in looking at fifteen hundred meter races, and I've been around long enough to remember the John Walkers, and then all the way through through the Adrian Blinkos and, and all of that. A fifteen hundred meter race. I was going to say it can go one of two ways. It can go one of many ways, but it can be a slow-run race <laughs> with, a, with a kick finish or someone goes balls to the wall from the start and it's fast run and no one really finishes from the back. What pattern of race suits Sam Tanner?
10: Uh, I think I'm quite fortunate. I um, I don't mind a slow race, a certain kick, uh, but the more I've kind of trained and um, developed, I am starting to appreciate a fast race because, Even if a fast race is, um, you know, if it comes down to, like, placing or something, you're never going to be disappointed with the fast time. Mm. And so uh, I think I always prefer a fast race. Now, I used to just prefer a sit and kick, uh, but I think it's a bit harder to sit and kick if you're out of position on the world stage, you know, so it kind of comes down to more who's just the fittest and the fastest on the day. Um, And so that's that's always the goal to work, work towards.
0: And would it be fair to say, my observation, a lot of the finals are very cat and mouse because it's about medals, it's about podiums, a lot of jockeying for position. You can get a little bit of traffic issue.
10: Yeah, that's generally been the way in um, all the Olympic finals and stuff I've seen, except for the last like kind of two years. There's kind of been a couple of guys who, um, or two or three years, a couple of guys who have just you know, been like a horse with their blinds on and just pinned it uh, and then everyone is just end up chasing and so that's kind of the position I found myself in uh, at Com Games and I just went, "Well, that was a fast first lap, all right, let's 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 get rolling and hold on for dear life um, and so, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a change the last few years but, you know, who knows, it could change next race.
0: And for a number of years, you've been based in America, you've been in the NCAA system, uh, you've stepped out of that and you're like a fully-fledged no alliance to a college. Um, how's that transition been, just doing it all for yourself?
10: It's been, it's been pretty cool. You know, I have come back to my high school coach, Craig Kirkwood. I signed a professional contract with Puma Running um, in, in January of uh, 2022 um, or even December 2021, somewhere around that time. And uh, so this year has been pretty awesome having um, that transition with them supporting me um financially and then you know ck's got some awesome uh, an awesome squad over in town now and so we're kind of getting some youth development athletes coming through and um yeah it's close to home i've got all the, all the things that make uh, make me fast like craig's famous saying is happy sam is fast sam and so uh all those things that kind of tick the boxes for me to be quick on the day um are here and in papamore so i'm enjoying this year yeah.
0: Nice, nice yes my sister lives in Papua. i spent quite a bit of time there uh, over Christmas New Year, it's a wonderful place and and also I think Hayden Wild's based down that way and you do a bit of training with our triathlete champion
10: Yes absolutely He, um, we were just talking at the track today um, with Craig because we share the same coach um, and we're planning a trip uh, or, or a house together in, in Europe somewhere this year um, which is going to be pretty nice and so we're going to actually get to train together for the first time in um, several months, which is going to be exciting. Um, so that's coming up, and yeah, we we always get to enjoy each other's company when when we're both
0: home. Nice. And your coach said, "Happy Sam is fast, Sam." Apart from running, good times. What makes Sam Tanner happy? I hear you're a bit of a muso, We know you love surfing, which probably means skateboarding as well. Which I always, I'd imagine your coach just freaking out. You're going to do an ankle or something, or a knee, or something <laughs> like that. But music, music's in your in your blood as well.
10: Yeah, yeah, I um, we'll, we've got a little bit of kind of a, a low-key separated band kind of thing that is, comes together and we jam every now and then. Um, no no necessary gigs on the horizon unless someone wants to recruit us. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a, a big hobby of mine. And uh, I think if I was to be professional in uh, another sport or another um, area of life or famous, it'd probably be being, being a muso or, or a professional surfer, so you kind of have the nail on the head with those two.
0: Thank on. Are you comfortable being a full-time athlete?
10: Yeah, I get a little bored every now and then. You know, today I've got a couple hours to, to waste, to just relax and recover after my gym and run before my next run, but I've got a couple of um, housework Jobs that I got to do because my wife's at work, uh, and so um, I'm, the, I'm the house
0: husband, which is which is always fun. You can you can go and have a coffee at Henry and Ted's with the with the other house husbands.
10: Yeah, <laughs> you know it. it's exactly right. <laughs>
0: hey mate, um, Cooks Gardens. Uh, it's a venue steeped in history, synonymous with Peter Snell, obviously. But do you take on board the historical uh, significance of uh, where you're racing this weekend?
10: Yeah, definitely. It's um, a track that I, you know, it means a lot to me even because the first time I ran on it, I ran with Mick Willis on it um, and I broke his own record, his junior record and he paced me so it's, you know, as well as the history it has before me, it's also got history um, that I'm I'm, I'm becoming a part of and so it's been um, pretty cool to go down there and um, I'm look, really looking forward to this weekend and see what I can do this weekend.
0: Are you a record chaser? Like um, I think John Walker still holds the mile record for New Zealand. I think.
10: Yeah, yeah, he does. Three forty nine point oh eight, and so that's uh, this year's goal. Um, I think if if the right race comes, that's that's what we're going to try hit.
0: Awesome. Um, we've got Rosie Elliott coming up uh, later on in the show, and uh, I'm going to be asking her about her pre race routine and post race celebration. If you achieve what you want to do, what does the day of the race look like for you before you race?
4: Oh,
10: I think we're going to actually come down, uh, well, either Friday night or Saturday morning before the race, but uh, we'll have a pretty low key breakfast, make our way down, and maybe go for a jog, stop off at Topor. Um, and yeah, pre race I, I I like uh, sounds a little crazy, but I'll, I'll let you in a little secret. It's a uh, baby food. So I <laughs> smashed back two um two pear, banana, blueberries sachets um full of baby food. So you know the old three three months plus is the best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's okay. So you, yeah, that's amazing. And you go to Wanganui. And uh, you've performed well, and you're allowed a cheap meal. Coach says you're allowed a cheap meal. What you go to? Do you, do you get into anything weird?
10: Ah, uh, nah, Burger absolutely. I absolutely love Burger So, if, if the Burger owner's listening, then um. Hook
0: us up, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> mate, oh, awesome! Uh, hey, listen, uh, fantastic uh, to chat to you today, uh, Sam. Um, amazing, amazing achievements last year, particularly the Com Games. Couldn't be more stoked for you, and uh, looking forward to following your progress over the summer and uh, continuing on into twenty twenty three. Go well. Yeah,
10: cheers, mate. Thanks
0: for having me. Sam Tanner, there, um, absolute rooster. The, the, the track athletes are fun. They they are. Fantastic and geez, he's running some serious times and he's, I think he's 23, I think I'm going to say he's about 23 and to run 331 and remember the 1974 Commonwealth Games filled by over John Walker was 332.2 and he finished sixth but sixth didn't matter to him, it was the time, phenomenal and he's getting close to John Walker's um John Walker still holds the mile record. I'm not sure who holds the 1500. I must look that up. That might be John Walker as well.
8: Might be, yeah. Oh, Nick Willis? Did he break it at all?
0: Oh, maybe.
8: I'll tell oh. you what, when you said, uh, what's your cheek now, I thought he was going to go from the three month to the six pl- the six month on the baby <laughs> food. Now, but I'll tell you this, Steph, and I'd like to hook any male up to a lie detector test that's listening to our station right now, um, and tell me that you haven't tucked into the baby food. Because it's no, I'm just saying, like males that have a have a go. Oh, I say females as well, actually. But um, anyone who has a kid, mm. you can't tell me that you haven't tucked into the baby food from time to time. Because I we've got all the sachets up there in, in the kitchen, right? And mm. the other night, I um, we'd had dinner. Katie was watching something or getting ready for bed, and I wanted something sweet. We didn't have anything for dessert or chocolate or anything. I wanted something sweet, so I went to the pantry, and there, staring me in the face, was a banana and strawberry mango puree. <laughs>
1: And was so, it nice?
8: It was lovely. I mean, people think that it's like it's it's just pureed food. That's basically all those baby sachets it's are. It's like a pureed. thick smoothie. Essentially. And there's almost not enough of it. You sort of just do two gulps and that's it. And you're like, I want some more. But see, the ones I love of Charlie's are the, are the custards. There's like custard and fruit and blueberries and yeah, it's all custard-based. And, mate, I love it. And uh, is it expensive? I think it's about a dollar. When you get them on special, they're about a dollar – 50 a sachet so you just sort of grab a whole bunch you know you grab sort of 7 or 8 for the week and yeah so 7 or 8 bucks but um who makes them uh Watties oh okay yeah well the ones we get I think are Watties there's two brands I don't know if this is the same at sort of countdown but certainly at Pack and Save there's two brands there's Watties and there's sort of another one that's got a
1: green lid but um
8: yeah they're pretty tasty
1: (laughs) You, Can you bring pain? one
8: into work? Yeah, I'll bring one in tomorrow for you.
1: Sammy, I've got a good one for you. Yep. That actually goes back to my rip-offs about movie theater food mm. and bringing food into the movie. Mm-hmm. I've got a mate who brings every time we'll go to a movie, he'll get the rhubarb custard baby food. Yeah. Rhubarb mate, that's the it. one you got to try, and it's it. it's actually it's actually really really nice. So yeah. I, I fully take the point, Sam. The one thing I haven't tried
8: is the form. I've never drunk the formula, oh, I which I which I've heard is basically <clears throat> milk anyway. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I am I'm, I'm with Sam Tanner on the on the pouches. Mm. Cheap, tasty, packed with good stuff. Packers it's good, good stuff. for baby. If it's good for babies, it's good for me, Steph. Um, so yeah, I'll bring I'll bring some in for the boys tomorrow. Yeah. We'll have a little tasting session. Yeah, we'll have a taste off. And, and I, once again, you, can, you can't tell me that if you're a dad or a mum out there that you haven't tried the baby food. You can't tell me you haven't tried it.
0: Now I told you, um, I told you, a friend of mine, who's read the most sports books of anyone I know. I texted him and said, "Have you read the book of fame about the 1905 All Blacks?" He's replied, yes, and I have the book. But he didn't say, do you want to read it?
8: <laughs>
12: That's just say, what I can wanted. I read it?
0: And um, and I also, I was about to text the mad butcher to see if he got his jerseys back in response to someone who texted in. I text uh, Richard Beck from the Warriors, and he says he got most of it back, as I understand it. There's just a few m- missing. Maybe check with him. I don't really want it. Well, if he's got a few back... Um, well, he's just got a few to get, so it sounds like the fat end of them have got back to Sir Peter Charles Leach, which um, brings me some joy. I'd like to get them all, but uh, let's hope he gets them all in the fullness in the fullness of time.
1: All right, we... oh, I just
0: uh, quickly had the
8: brand um, only organic was the, is the main baby food one. Waddies do do it as well, though, but only organic is the one that most people. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
0: We can't read that text message. <laughs> yeah. Person with the number finishing in five nine nine. It's they're quite partial to another kind of baby food. Yeah. Yeah, vampires. which we can't read. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven double eight double three. We'll be back. Come on, you little vampires. Oh, jeez. The ba- I, the baby food's kicked off. Yeah, I did I did a poll around the office,
1: right? And oh, is that where you ran off? Now to? see
8: I started off by saying Men and then I sort of thought, well, actually the females can eat it as well. But I, I know Katie doesn't eat it, so I was wondering if it was a male specific thing. I went out to the office and the males that have babies in the office, hundred percent, tucked them into the pouches any day of the week, have it for dessert, love it. The females, it was almost shock. I was like, what? No, of course not. I don't need baby food. <laughs> and I was like, you haven't even, you know, like had it. And and um, one of them was like, oh, well, you know, I've tasted it, but I don't like eat it regularly. And I'll tell you what, they're missing out, Steph, because I've just jumped onto um, a website here with some of the flavors. And just tell me that this doesn't appear. And, you know, the, the picture of this one, banana, raspberry, and vanilla. Oh. Right? And on the front of the packet is slices of banana, some raspberries. It's just, is, does that not look delicious? And I'll tell you what, it tastes delicious as well. Are they yogurt-based or what are they- uh, yes, yeah, so they're usually yoghurt or custard-based, I think. Or, or I mean, they're made with milk and stuff as well. So this one here, coconut, strawberry, and is it goji? Goji? Goji, goji,
0: goji berries, Goji yeah.
8: berries. What about this one, Steph? Chocolate custard with New Zealand whole milk. Mm,
0: this, sounds <laughs> like, this sounds like chocolate yoghurt.
8: Exactly. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> if you want something more wholesome for, for dinner, vegetable macaroni cheese. Oh. Yeah, mm. Take that one. Or one of my personal favourites, beef bolognese pasta.
0: Oh. Pure eight. I tell you what, Richard is texting and he says, lads, we use the apple baby food with roast pork yep. and it's damn fine Sam, do you perhaps have a Thomas the Tank Engine bib put on while you eat it?
8: No, it's cocomelon, cocomelon, Richard
0: <laughs> it's cocomelon bib <laughs> Oh, fantastic Um the custards are delicious. I always went one for you, one for me, <laughs> <laughs> one spoon for you, one whole pouch for me. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Sam. Sounds like that baby food is at the pointy end. That
8: might have been the other one, that one we couldn't read out.
0: Oh yes, oh. yes, it was at The yeah, okay, well done, uh, Sam. When I do f- CrossFit comps, baby foods all I eat during the day. It's easy to digest. You know, Sean.
8: You know, we talked about um. Was it when we did the, yeah, you know, we did the good, golly, miss Molly, jolly, lolly off, and yeah. we also did the big, bicky bonanza, and that got a lot of people, you know, going into the stores to to sort of try it out. Well, I'm encouraging you now, if you're going to count down a pack and save whatever establishment this evening, go down the baby section, grab a pouch or two for about three bucks total, and give it a go. And you tell know me what, what you think. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, but put them in I the fridge
0: first. N- I never go down the baby food. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever been down the baby food section in my life. Yeah. Well, nah, here you go. But I'm going to. And what you actually need to do, Steph, like I said before,
8: you need, like if you're going to get a couple, get a couple of the same one because one won't be enough. Like you'll sort of do, you know like the juice boxes? And yes. you'd have like two big sips of it and you'd be at the bottom. Yeah. And you'd be like, I just need a bit more. You'll get like that with the baby food. So just get two of each one. Two of each one. Two of each flavour and just that's a good sample size, I reckon preferably chilled, but you generally do eat them out of the
0: pantry. Because the, the danger here is, like, you know, I never eat at work, right? You, you yep. Never eat at work. Yep. Never bring in lunch. Never mm-hmm. eat. I just have breakfast and dinner. Yeah. If I find these things are good, yeah. I could find myself bringing a couple to work every day. Cheapest chips, man. They are <laughs> cheap as chips. Yeah, although
8: now some supermarkets are even putting limits on them, because eh? not probably not because of the adults, but because, you know, these are for instances. babies, not for adults. No, no, I don't think. I think it's just because people do load up their truck. Like when I go, Katie says I'll get like twenty of them, and I'm like, she says you know ten limits. So
0: does Charlie prefer some over the other? Like, do, can you tell? Like, he doesn't
8: actually really eat them much anymore. This was probably like you. two. Yeah, it's just me now. <laughs> now this is probably like one or two months ago that he was still eating this stuff, but now he's he just eats whatever we eat at dinner, and mm. then um, he Teabone gets steak. He gets milk. You know, just um, milk powder mm. now. Yeah.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, he's fully weaned. Fully weaned. Mm. Um, Just previewing what else we've got coming up. So we just spoke to Sam Tanner. Very soon we're going to talk to Rosie Elliott. She is a, well, I was going to say she's a 400-meter runner, sort of officially, but she does everything. She is a good-time athlete, a lot of fun, and very good athlete as well. And we're going to catch up with Dave Mangan. He is the Golf New Zealand Championships and Operations uh, Manager. With Charles Tour. That is uh, underway at Bridge Par. And I'm pretty sure I've got the leaderboard open here. So I'm going to give you a little update with um, the very first event on the Charles Tour underway. So we've got uh, the first few names have all finished. So these are in the clubhouse. Uh, Joshua Bai, he's out of Akarana, seven under, first round, great round. Uh, Sungjin Yo, he's six under, as is Kazuma Kabori. Now, this Kazuma Kabori is. Good, he good. Okay, just good. He's ring-y-aura. Um Daniel Pierce five under. Stephen O out of Pakoranga, four under. Harry Bateman. I've played golf with Harry Bateman a couple of years ago. Fantastic young fella. Um, he's a PGA Tour professional. He's four under. Finished. Uh, Brian Lee out of Wainui. Uh, Josh Geary uh, very well performed. Uh, New Zealand professional golfer tied fifth at four under as well. Then we've got Reese Thomas, uh, he's at three under. Um, out on the course, I'm just going to see if anyone's smoking it round. Uh, the afternoon rounds probably just teed off not longer. Yeah, there's a whole lot of players through sort of two, three, six holes, that sort of thing. Uh, Robbie Turnbull out of Remy Golf Club, even through six. Robbie's auntie works here with us. Go, Robbie. Even through six, birdie 10, his opening hole, bogey 12, and he's parred the rest. Go, Robbie. I'll keep you up to date, though, with um, the Hastings Open opening round of or the opening event of the Charles Tour for mainly our budding professionals, but there are amateurs, men and women, sprinkled right through that field. Okay, okay. We'll take a break uh, for new sport and weather. And in the next half hour, Brenna Popper will from the TRB and Rosie Elliott, our 400-metre runner. in
2: the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun, suddenly red blue lights, flash flashbacks from behind, loud voice booming, please step out onto the line, ballet bridge words of comfort, scene just hides our eyes, policeman taps the shades, and sell a Chevy 69, how, how bizarre, how bizarre, how bizarre.
0: Oh, very bizarre. <laughs> Friend and Popper well, from the TRB joins us. Poppy dogs, welcome.
11: Hello, Steph. We've got a lot, quite, quite a bit of helpers are then.
0: Yeah, I know, because Sam was saying, in the the chorus sounds like an Irish, uh, sorry, a Scottish person saying, How was that? How was that? How was that?
8: And, it's, and now that I've told you that, Popsy, so you won't be able to listen to it the same. How was that? How was that? How was that?
11: <laughs> God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it straight after this on my Spotify playlist because
0: of that. Good man. Dubai Desert Classic. Dubai Desert Classic. Ryan Fox, $46. Biggest liability, I'm thinking.
11: Without a doubt, yeah. pundas love backing Ryan Fox, no matter what he's lining up at. it. It's uh, uh, if it's a major or if it's just any old golf tournament going around. So, uh, yep, you hit the nail on the head there, staff. It's almost like uh, you were fully aware of uh, what's going on. So, um, <laughs> yep, worst result, and we'll probably see the TAB broke just about with the money that's pouring in.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Um, <laughs> and I was, I should have been aware, but I wasn't 100% aware. Um, New Zealand is still in India. They're still in India, and they've got 2020s yeah. coming up.
11: Yes, yes, and this one is an interesting one because both sides, uh, we, we see different players getting their opportunities, uh, certainly for India, uh, and the same can be said about the black caps as well. So uh, black caps 290. We've had a little bit of money for them uh, in the last 24 hours, and in India, $1.37. Uh, in terms of top run scorer, uh, Finn Allen, we're hoping this is his uh, 1 in 10 uh, that we'll get from Finn at 375. Uh, if not, uh, 375's not a good price. Uh, Devin Conway's $4. Uh, Glenn Phillips, $5.50. Uh, has also taken a little bit of money there in, in that game, which comes up on uh, is it Saturday, this match. I'm just going to try and... Two days. It th- it's about,
0: it's uh, middle of the night. What day are we, Thursday? So it's Friday night, Saturday morning. Yeah. Friday
4: night.
2: Yeah.
0: Why, yep. why would you take Finnellan at 375 when Devin Conway's four?
11: Well, yeah, in terms of reliability, uh, mm. Devin Conway all day long. Hey, look, we all know Finnellen can play. Of course he can. You know, he's made the Black Caps, and he, he, he's a very talented player, but um, I think good bowling's uh, f- found out Finnellen so far at that, that, that this level so far, and where do we go? Where do the Black Caps go, especially with their one-day cricket? Because we've lost that stability. I, I think that the, the team's balance looks all up the wazoo, to be honest, uh, with what we've seen in that Indian series, so yeah, there's a bit of soul searching to be done.
0: Um, we're getting to the very pointy end of the Australian Open, of course. Uh, Semi finalists, I think, are found in uh, all sectors. Um, any interest at all in anyone but the Joker?
11: No, uh, it's a simple answer there. Um, so, what were we saying a couple of days ago? Dollar thirty six looked to be uh, great for multi punters. Well, we still can't stop them backing. Uh, Djokovic, where is he? Dollar seventeen currently, which is getting a bit skinny now. Um, if you, if, if you, to be honest with you, in trying to terms of running it through a multi, but that's the best way punters have found it, is to run them through a few weekend multis, uh, maybe trying to find something else through the open uh, through the women's section. Well, what I will say, we've had a little bit of money for Rezkinka at two sixty five. Of course, caused the upset, uh, Pagula last a couple of days ago. Uh, so there's a bit of money towards here at the two sixty five. Uh, Rubikina of $146,000 on that price, and Zabalinka $122,000 has seen $1,000 uh, on that head-to-head price. But um, yeah, at this stage, Novak is has, they're already uh, putting his name in the trophy, uh, is what punters believe, uh, with his price where he, where he sits there. Um, and Breakers, yes, Breakers are playing tonight too, aren't they, against the Bullets, Brisbane Bullets. Breakers are 137 favourites. Uh, against the Brisbane Bullets at $2.90. We've seen a little bit of money towards Brisbane at that higher
0: price. Brisbane at home? Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty handy. Um, point start at five and a half. I've just, it's just open for me, five and a half. Mm. I don't mind point starts uh, against with teams that are playing against the team I want to win, so I want the breakers to win. But the five and a half, the breakers can win narrowly. You win the bet and your team yeah. wins as well.
11: Yep, yep, and especially with it being a home team as well, when you're getting a five and a half as well is even better. Uh, we'll start with the NBA, with basketball. We, we've taken a, a really big bet on the, the LA Lakers, uh, $9,900 on them to win. Uh, they're playing at 4.40 this afternoon, uh, and they are playing uh, the Spurs. So the Lakers are $1.35. Uh, that's our, one of our biggest bets so far in the NBA. And NFL playoffs quickly jump to that game too. Uh, two games on Monday, and the Bengals, uh, they will one away from getting to the Super Bowl again, and we're taking some good cash on them so far against the Kansas City Chiefs, who maybe have that question mark with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 185 for the Bengals, very well played, our biggest bet, 3,500 at that 185.
0: That's flipped around, hasn't it? I think Kansas started as favourites?
11: Yep, yep, that's correct.
0: Yeah, Okay, love a flip-flop. All right, Pops, enjoy your day, and um, how was that? How was that? <laughs>
4: oh, stop it. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers,
0: buddy. Brendan Popper, we're out of the TAB. Go to tab.co.nz. That's where all the info is. There's, um, just looking at that NFL, for example, uh, Philadelphia, Uga, San Francisco 49, 137 options available there. You'll find something. You'll find something that suits you. Right, we'll take a break. On the other side, we're going to catch up with Rosie Elliott uh, ahead of the Cooks Classic in Whanganui this weekend. A 400-metre runner, Rosie Elliott, after the break.
1: Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
0: Right, it's time to we talk to Sam Elliott about half an hour ago. Sam Elliott, Sam Tanner, Rosie Elliott now, and she's a good-time person and a fantastic runner and... Oh, if you were going to be, not critical, but observant, she spreads herself thin. She does, um, I've seen her do 100 metres, 400 metres, high jump. I think she's gone into throwing events. And um, I'm just, if anything's a little bit different this summer. So joining us now is Rosie Elliott. Rosie, are you, are you going to concentrate on just one event or do you still want to sprint, jump and throw?
6: Oh, I, I always want to sprint and jump and throw, but we are sort of trying to hone in a little this season, focusing primarily on the 400 metres. But I will be doing a couple of 200s, a couple of 100s. Um, I've actually entered to do the high jump in, in Wellington in a couple of weeks. And maybe maybe you'll see me in the shot put at some stage. Who knows? <laughs>
0: why, why the 400? Because back at school days, that was the most punishing distance you can run.
6: Oh, that, that hasn't changed out of school at all. It is still the most punishing difference, uh, distance that you can run. Um, it's I enjoy the challenge of it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you get a huge feeling of, accompli- of accomplishment when you finish after the the pain subsides. Um, and, yeah,
0: they're, they're, they're just a lot of fun to run. And do the 1 and 200 parts of your program, I guess that helps with cadence and speed um, for your 400 as well. So it's all Mm. part of
6: a building block? Yes, exactly. It's all very much, I mean, last last season I was doing the sort of 100 and 200 as my competitive events, but now they are part of my training and the build-up to competition for the
0: 400. We've talked to Portia Bing a few times on the station, and she talks about how she counts her steps between hurdles. Is that something a flat Mm. 400-metre runner has to do?
6: Uh, no, not at all. There isn't, there isn't any need to be having a certain number of steps over a certain distance. Um, every now and then, I'll have someone standing at the 200 or 300 mark yelling my, my splits at me, but even then, it doesn't really matter what your splits are. It only matters how much you have in the tank in the last 150, 200 metres. What's the most
0: important
6: 100
0: metres in a 400?
6: Uh, oh, I think, I think that can only really depend on the, on the race. Um, for for example, in, in the weekend at Potts, I would have said my final 100 was probably the most important because I left it a little bit late to, to, I guess, kick, not that you're probably meant to have a kick in a 400. Um. but I I don't know if these are the most important, but I think my favourite is normally the second 100 up the back straight, especially if you've got a tailwind, which I actually haven't run with many tailwinds up the back straight, but I think that's my
0: favourite. Now, the POTS, ha, ha, were you happy with your performance? And like I know with um, high-performance athletes such as yourself, Rosie, it's all about peaking and tapering and doing all of that sort of stuff. Are you happy where, where you're at at this stage of the season given what happened at the POTS?
6: Um, I actually am Yeah, I was initially a little bit disappointed With my time Because last season I opened up quite fast In the 400 But when you take into account that Actually we're very early in the season Our training isn't designed for us to be peaking right now um, I was at the very very beginning Of my menstrual cycle Which I find I find it a little difficult to compete When I'm around that, that point And also I put a lot of pressure on myself for that race and you know there's a lot of expectation and on me that I felt that there wasn't before so I was struggling a little mentally so I think all things considered I was actually incredibly happy with how that went and I'm really excited to um, go and run another one this weekend
0: Yeah and this weekend obviously the Cooks Classic in a well a very historical city of uh, Whanganui of course where Peter Snell has mm. made, made many marks there What what's special about the Cooks Classic for you? <sighs>
6: Uh, Well, I've actually never run a 400 at Cook's Classic before. Ah. Um, Yeah, so the last time I was there, I ran the 200. Uh, I came second to Georgia Hulls last year. Um, And previous to that, I'd only ever run at the Secondary School Nationals in Cook's Classic. So I haven't actually had a lot of opportunities to run there, but it's a fantastic track and has a lot of history, as you say, particularly in those longer-distance events.
0: Do... Athletic events and tracks and stadiums and that differ very much? Or when you walk out onto the track, they're all 400 metres, you're just so focused, um, the venue doesn't matter? Or do you have favoured venues?
6: Uh, I definitely have favoured venues. Um, it is it is a bit silly because actually you are running 400 metres no matter where you are, Um but you know, so at some tracks, the 400 meters might look further because the bends might be bigger or the straight, yet yeah, well, and then the straights might be a little shorter, and so the 400 might not look as far. Um, I certainly have a preference for the Hawke's Bay track, and I've heard the Wuanui track is very good purely because of the weather, mm. um, and the track is very, very good quality, so you can bounce along quite easily on it. And then on the other hand, you've got tracks like for example my home track napuna in christchurch is horrible to run on because of the winds um and the, the wind yeah the wind that you get when you're running there makes it feel so much further than 400 meters
0: do you play other sports or have you played other sports before focusing on athletics
6: yes i so i don't i don't play any sports anymore aside from athletics but i did a lot doing uh during high school i played a lot of hockey basketball touch rugby um i had a very brief stint as a tackle rugby player in university before i sustained a pretty nasty concussion and couldn't play anymore um But yeah, I grew up playing all sorts of sports, even dabbled a little in cross country when I was a bit younger, but quickly realized that I don't quite have the result for
0: that. Now, I always like the fun things about you guys, about your pre-race routines and your post-match routines. (laughs) Pre-race, what's your nutrition intake? And you're allowed to tell us what you cheat (sighs) with as well.
6: Oh, uh,
0: as in on the day of competition? Yeah, yeah. What what what's the what's the last few things you you just gobble up as a bit of a treat or a bit of an energy burst or whatever?
6: Okay, well, I always 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 have tuna and rice for the the lunch, probably about three hours before I race, um, and then after that, I will demolish an entire packet of sour squirm um, and drink. I'll I'll have a Red Bull as well normally.
0: And post race, let's say you've said a personal best that cooks. Uh, classic this weekend, and you're just absolutely delighted with how things are going. You're sitting back in your motel room, looking over the beautiful vista of Wanganui. What do you order off Uber Eats?
6: Uh, well, I I actually would probably go to the supermarket and buy one of those like 500 mil cartons of cheap custard, <laughs> um, and I'd, <laughs> I'd probably have that with some sweet and salty popcorn poured into it. It's actually really delicious. It's kind of like cereal, but popcorn and custard.
0: You don't know how much grief I get about dipping my movie theatre ice cream into my salty popcorn because I think it's delicious. Oh,
6: it's delicious. It's it's fantastic. Anyone who says otherwise is simply wrong.
0: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Rosie, is it just the 400 for you this weekend? Yes, it is. Look, I wish you all the very, very best. I encourage anyone in the Manawatū, Wanganui, Taranaki region to go down to Cooks and go and seek out Rosie Elliott and watch watch her perform. She's a lot of fun. She's a very good athlete, but doesn't forget how to have fun, eh, Rosie? Absolutely not. Thanks heaps for chatting to us today. All the very best. Oh, was that Morse code for... Thanks for calling. That's fast out of the blocks and fast to hang up. Rosie, good on your champion. Um, yeah, do get down to Cooks, uh, the Cooks Classic in Whanganui. Uh, fantastic athletes that we've got to know over the last 12 months or so. Go and support them. Go and cheer and go and watch some of uh, New Zealand's best. We will be back in a thing.
1: Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
0: Welcome back in. A couple of things to look forward to tomorrow on SENZ. Brendan McCullum will be joining the breakfast show tomorrow, the England coach. I'd imagine he's back here with the Karaka Sales around and Vermeer racing. Might have some colts. I'm not quite sure how involved he is, but you will be able to hear from Baz, one of the foundation members of SENZ. He will be on the breakfast show. And on this show in the afternoon tomorrow, we have Mike Dawson coming in studio for an hour and um, Olympic kayaker, but he's just returned from the South Pole. Uh, many, many, many days in incredibly a long way below zero temperatures, skied to the South Pole. What a journey, what a venture that must have been. There'll be stories for Africa. So Mike Dawson will be joining us from one till two in our Spotlight Hour tomorrow. Very much looking forward to that Um An hour might not do it justice, but it'll be fantastic. So Mike Dawson on his trek to the South Pole. And Brenda McCullum will also be on breakfast. And don't forget the Australian Open is 9 o'clock every night here on SENZ as well. It's been fantastic coverage of the Australian Open. I hope you've enjoyed. We've got a wonderful commentary team bringing you the Australian Open. But we're coming up to 2 o'clock on the other side of 2 o'clock. We're going to go to Bridge Par, the Hastings Open, is underway at the Charles Tour, Talk, talking to Dave Mangan of Golf New
2: Zealand. <laughs>
0: there is a lot of golf going on around the world at the moment Um, what have we got going on at the moment the Farmers Insurance Open out of Torrey Pines looks like that round's been completed Ryder is leading in conjunction with Wright uh, both 8-under as is Grant Steele Figala Buckley Stevens. not a lot of big big names Gary Woodland's there Luke List Colin Morikawa, Jason Day tied 19th at 4 under, 4 off the lead. Danny Lee uh, he was down about 71st there he is, 71st uh, 1 under and of course the Dubai Desert Classic is getting underway soon with our Ryan Fox. I think they tee off about 4 o'clock New Zealand time tonight so it'll be good viewing time. I'll see if I can find you um, actually I'll do it now, I'll see if I can find you Ryan Fox's tee time and I think uh, in two hours and four minutes, he's playing with Lee Westwood by the, is he? Or is that a tournament bet? I'll find, I'll find that, I'll find that. Sam's getting his headphones on. He's playing with Tommy Fleetwood and Rory. Is he? He's playing with Tommy
8: and Rory, yeah. What a group, hey? What a group. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: he will get lots of TV time tonight. Yeah. And what time are they teeing off? I thought it was 4.40 when I
8: looked up today. Yeah, I've got 4.40 here. Wow! But buddy. they are teeing off at four at 10 past four, the first groups. But, yeah, pretty sure I saw DP post a photo of Rory, Foxy,
0: and yeah, Tommy they, Fleetwood. They tee off in two hours and 34 minutes.
8: Yeah, so 4.40. Yeah, 440
0: yeah. McElroy, Fox, and Fleetwood. <laughs> wow. Too good. That'll be amazing. Don't throw your tee at Rory. No, do not throw your tee at Rory. But also underway is the Charles Tour, which is a magnificent innovation Um particularly by New Zealand Golf and Jenny and Holmes have been a fantastic supporter of it and it is the first uh, tournament of this series and I think there's nine events and they're at the Hastings Open and joining us now he is the Golf New Zealand Championships and Operations Manager with the Charles Tour, Uh, Dave Mangan out of Hastings and Dave is the Hastings Open, is that a new event on the schedule?
12: Yeah, that's, uh, that's 100% correct. We are here this week at the Wallace Development Hastings Open. So first time um, they have been on the Ginny and Holmes Charles Tour event. So uh, there's been lots of events at the Hastings Golf Club over the years. There's been a wonderful tournament host for Golf New Zealand. Um, and they're yeah, having a Ginny and Holmes Charles Tour event for the first time.
0: It only seems right that um, Park gets to host. I mean, a million years ago, I used to play in the Steinlager there and used to sleep in a tent on the practice fairways between rounds. It was a heck of a good week.
12: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, those under-23 events and, and other national championships we've had here have all been very good. And, and that sort of gets continued this week with the camping. There's a few of the guys who have brought their camper vans and caravans down and are camping on the top of the range there.
0: Fantastic! It's such a good course too, and a great one to to kick it off. And it only seems right that somewhere like Bridge Park is part of the schedule. give us Give us the where the importance level of the Charles Tour is for these. It's mainly youngsters playing in these events, it, it, and they're quite pinnacle for the, this group of golfers.
12: Yeah, that's right. Um, look, what we're trying to um, replicate here is what our players are going to experience when they hit overseas. So that when they do get on the Australasian tour and then on to Asia, Europe, and, you know, if they get to the pinnacle on the US tour, you know, they're ready, they're match-hardened, and, you know, they know what to expect, um, what a week looks like, how to prepare with a pro-am on Wednesday, um, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's very important and a good stepping stone and a first step for a lot of our best players.
0: Um, I had a quick flick through the leaderboard. I see Josh Geary's in the field, and he's a very well-performed international golfer himself. So that just lends a little bit of gravitas to the Charles Tour, doesn't it?
12: Yeah, absolutely. And he's a good example of someone who's trying to find his game again and get back overseas. And then you've got the likes of like Amelia Garvey this week. She's playing. She's off onto the you know the secondary LPGA Tour and using this as a, as a really good week to warm up. So there's lots of different good reasons to play in these events.
0: I saw the name Charlie Smale. Must be
12: son of. It is absolutely son of. So, yeah, he's just got, he's just turned professional. Um, So this will be his first 72 hole event, I think, as a professional. He played in a couple of pro-ams domestically last week and and won one of those for the first time. Um, And, yeah, you know, he's been over in Japan with Dad. um, And we saw him this morning. He's swinging it pretty well. And I'm sure he'll be looking to kick-start his young professional career. Is Dad on the bag? He's not uh, on the bag this week. No, we haven't seen uh, David yet. He, he may still be over in Japan. Ah, OK.
0: Overseas players, um, do we attract any of those?
12: Uh, not at this stage, no. I guess with where the where the prize money at, is at, it's, it's not for the Aussies to come over. So it really is just a domestic series of events at this stage.
0: But it's still worthwhile going out and having a look, and, and I'd imagine you'd throw the gates open and let the public come along and just see the next generation.
12: Yeah, one, uh, that, that, that's right. Yeah, it's free entry and anyone can come along. And, um, yeah, if you don't want to watch Josh Gehry, the next crop of talent coming through, like Kazuma Kabori, who recently won the Australian Amateur and a lot of our other National Academy members, James Hyde, Michael Thompson and Tyler Wood.
0: Um, another thing I, I, I noticed, um, the race to Tiki uh, for the top 24 at the end of, I think it's eight events, go to the ninth. And it's a fifty-four hole round, uh, fifty-four hole tournament at Teiki, which is probably our new one of our newest golf courses, which has been completely remodeled, refashioned by Phil Tatarangi and Co. I think it used to be called the Narrows.
12: Uh, yeah, Narrows and uh, Lochiel amalgamated and, and um, joined to create Teiki Golf Club, and yeah, that is an ex- incredibly exciting new initiative. Lots of support from Jenny and Holmes and the Peary Group and Teiki Golf Club there and. Yeah, there'll be a real focus this year on the Ginny and Holmes-Charles Tour to get into the top 24. Um, and yeah, you will qualify for that season-ending tournament worth hundred grand. So um, some good money on the line there for the, for the guys and girls that play well throughout the whole year.
0: I'm going to test your grey matter and see if you can rattle off the uh, the nine. At, well, I've given you two, Bridge Power and Tieke, the first and the last. Um, how far around New Zealand do you go?
12: Yeah, so the next event we have in the middle of February is the um, Brian Green Property Group New Zealand Super Sixes at the Manawatu Golf Club. Um, we've then got the Renaissance Brewing New Zealand Stroke Play Championship back here at Bridge Par in March, um, followed by the Mirawai Open, um, and that rounds out the events for, I guess, this part of the year. And then after winter, we'll be at the Mount Maunganui Golf Club and Tauranga Golf Club, um, for their two events respectively, followed by um, an event in, in Christchurch, our DVS open in Christchurch, and then the New Plymouth open at the New Plymouth Golf Club.
0: I, quite a few years ago, I played in the Pro Am at Murawai, um and pl- uh, got paired up with uh, a New Plymouth Pro from, from memory. Uh, did quite well, just quietly picked up a Pro bag as a price, which was fantastic. Be right. <laughs> yeah. it
12: was probably Dominic Barson, was it? That was it. Yep. That
0: was it? Geez, you've got a better memory than me. So, can, can amateurs join in any of these and pay their way in?
12: Uh, yeah, one of the main rais- ways that clubs raise money is on the Wednesday. Um, there is a pro am, so, if anyone is interested, get in contact with those clubs and be able to buy a spot. Or this week, it's a, a unique uh, Charles Tour event, and that on the weekend, um, each player that makes a cut will be paired with an amateur golfer who has paid for the weekend experience, a little bit like how the New Zealand Open works. So uh, on Friday night, we'll cut to the leading 60 players and ties. Um, they'll continue to play over the weekend, but they'll be joined in a additional 36-hole competi- best ball competition with an amateur playing partner.
0: And that is so exciting for the amateurs, I can tell you. As, as me, I felt like I was playing the Masters, so nervous playing amongst, <laughs> playing amongst professionals with lightning-fast screens, beautifully manicured courses. So I would urge people... Not only do yourself a favour and play in that, but it does help the coffers of of, of your local club.
12: Yeah, exactly. So it's a big part of raising that the prize money that these professionals get to play for.
0: All right, Dave. Well, we wish you well on the Jenny and Holmes uh, Charles St. I love the um, the new the new uh, Te race to Teiki. The top twenty four will be well worth. Um, it keep, Keeps them all on their metal trying to get into that
12: top twenty four. Great initiative. Absolutely, Stephen. Maybe
0: we'll see you back out at Mirawai this year. Yeah, go and defend a title I won about six or seven years ago. <laughs> cheers, mate. Go well. All right. Cheers. Thanks. I just want to give you a update on the leaderboard. Joshua Bai from Akarana, seven under in the clubhouse. All the first few names are in the clubhouse. Uh, Sung Yo, Yo, six under, as is Kazuma Kobori, who's probably the pre-tournament favourite. Um... And as Dave mentioned there, he won the Australian Amateur Championships, which you've got to be damn good to do. Daniel Pierce is at five under. Stephen O, Harry Bateman, uh, Brian Lee, and Josh Geary all at four under. Mako Thompson out of uh, Marainui Golf Club. He's at three under, as is Rhys Thomas. Um, on the course, two under through nine, is Heyon Ahn out of... Pyro Royal Golf Club. Fantastic. I love seeing all these different golf clubs. James Hydes, Golf Harbour. He's at two under through nine, as is uh, Brownie, Mark Brown. Former PGA Tour professional, played European Tour, Asian Tour, now domiciled at uh, Mount Monganui. Mark Brown, two under through nine, pure golf. You want c- pure golf swings? Mark Brown. Uh, Jake Meenhorst, uh, PGA Tour Pro, he's two under through nine, as is Zach Swanwick two under through nine uh, and we're going to keep keep an eye on Robbie Turnbull out of Remuera Golf Club one under through nine sitting tied 21st I uh, have vested interest in Robbie because his auntie sits next to me out in the main office when I'm in the main office auntie Paula sits next to me uh, with Robbie Turnbull all right, so that's sort of our Charles to golf update. Um, still to come. We've still got the vault to come actually. I think it might go today. It's uh, $100, 150. 200 dollars 150. 200. 200 Sam 100 on the first day, 150 the second day. 200 TAB bonus bet. That's coming up in about half an hour. You get three questions. We're on seven five three. If you haven't listened to the previous vaults to get yourself up to speed, jump onto wherever you listen to your podcasts and find the vault segments, and you'll get the previous twelve questions. And we've narrowed it right down. Could go today. Sam's convinced that it'll go today. Um, so join in and play that if you're that way inclined. So we'll have that coming up. And don't forget, Brendan McCullum is on The Breakfast Show tomorrow morning. We'll take a break and we'll find out what's making news after this.
4: Gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an, handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I, I need all of you to stop what, what you're doing and listen.
1: What's making news around the world.
0: I don't know why, but I love this music great tune. It is a great tune. It's
8: on Anchorman, which is sort of where I know it from. Um, <coughs> Steph, I want to start Sam. off by talking about some investigative journalism that I think is of the highest calibre in this country. Done by yourself? No, not by, done by myself. It's done by the fantastic must-follow Instagram account, Tavlova. Oh, um, brilliant. Just posts phenomenal New Zealand-based content, memes, memes. Laughs, gags, etc. And I want to give him a big shout out because uh, he deserves it. He deserves it. I probably could. Um, he's done some investigative work, or a friend of his has done some investigative work. Now, um, Papa Jacks, Papa Jacks, Papa Jacks, pop, snap the jack, da da You know, is that once you pop, you can't stop? Is that Papa Jacks? Um, and then, you know, do you know these chips here? I'm just going to hold them up to you. Cool, cool crisps. Yes, yes. They're called Cool Crisps, chicken flavour. So you got Popper Jacks, you got Cool Crisps. What this person has found out, after comparing the labelling on the packaging, they are the exact same chip, like the exact same ingredients, in a different bag. In a different bag, and I would never think whilst I'm eating a Popper Jack, oh, that tastes exactly like a Cool Crisp, or vice versa. Mm. They are the exact same chip, different shape, but the exact same quantities of ingredients. Wow. That blew my mind. Right. I'm just going to say, that blew my mind. Well, I'd, I'd just like to say I've never had either. Oh, well, then that's what? not relevant to you, is it? Mm. It's sort of like if you ate grain waves and then you ate bluebirds and you were like, you found out that they were the exact same chip. That would blow your mind. Sour cream bluebirds and sour cream grain Zachary waves. Sour cream grain
0: waves. They
8: were, no, Amazing. the old recipe. They've changed the recipe now. I'm not a fan. Okay. But the old ones were goated, man. Mm. Anyway. We talked about Splash Mountain the other day. We did. Yeah, common. uh, You said it was about to close. It has closed now. The twenty third. It closed on the twenty third. So I like um, the currency of
0: your stories. That's what it's all about. And your little follow up. It's
8: called What's Making News, Steph. Okay, it's not called What's Making.
0: What's interesting? Old stories. Yeah.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Where did you get your yours? The toilet store. Um, So people selling. uh, So people were lining up out the gate to. Get the last ticket to Splash Mountain, right? Right. Before it closed down, while the story goes even further, staff, is the natural progression of human evolution in a story like this, is that people have taken to eBay to now sell jars of water no. from Splash Mountain, <laughs> no, in Disneyland, and starting birds. We're looking at about eight hundred pounds. Oh, I'm so joking. well, That's close to sixteen hundred New Zealand. Um, it even comes with a picture of cert- uh, of a certificate of authenticity. Um, however, this person's pointed out the fact that the words this is Splash Mountain Water uh, look like it's been designed in Microsoft Paint might have been the dead giveaway, that it may not be the water from Splash Mountain. I don't know how you'd identify
0: that, Steph, how you would... How do you get a certificate of authenticity of that?
8: Correct. But um, anyway, if, if you are keen on a piece of history, jump on eBay and drop yourself 1,500 buck, buckaroos. Do you know that fact as well that all waters pass through dinosaurs? Have I seen that one before? No Do you know that every single molecule of Oh sorry Every glass of water that you drink 99.99% of the molecules in that Would have some at some point in time Passed through a dinosaur Wow Dinosaur urine actually Urine? Yeah That eventually sort of Was broken down Turned into water etc Wow What you drink A, a dinosaur has peed out ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the mon- molecules That's a heck of a story And that's not even my fact of the day Steph Nigella who I've got great respect for in in many (laughs) ways. Um,
0: Nothing to do with baby food.
8: Well, I'm going to say you're going to lose a lot of respect for her right now because um, she's posted, I'm assuming this is on her social media, she's posted uh, a recipe Mm. on her wall. Getting in early with Wednesday's recipe of the day, Wednesday UK time, and it's a special one for Australia Day. Lemon Pavlova.
0: <laughs> oh, no. no, Nigella, Nigella. Like I said, all face respect. Of
8: Whitakers. Correct. All respect, somewhat out the window, for claiming that Pavlova is Australian and that you should be celebrating it on Australia Day. Shame on you, Nigella.
0: I actually got to the bottom of that. those arguments about Pavlova. The first Pavlova was made for Irina Pavlova, who was a ballerina who came to New Zealand with mm. a ballet company, and someone in New Zealand made her this, and... Uh named it after her. Well,
8: it's just a giant meringue, isn't it? But it's our giant meringue Steph. Indeed. So on Australia Day tomorrow. Um just keep that in mind. Mm. Keep that in mind. Um King Charles the third has made his first trip on the Royal Train. Have you heard of the Royal Train? Never heard of it before myself. Never heard of The that? Royal Train which goes between well, this one went between Scotland and Manchester. Um Is it he- like
0: Air Force One? but Basically. A train.
8: So $47,500, and I'm presuming this is a New Zealand dollars has been converted, between $47,500 and $57,000 to operate per journey. Wow. So that trip from Scotland to Manchester cost basically 50K. Um, it is a mode of transport used primarily by senior royals. Guests must be invited aboard the nine-carriage train by the reigning monarch. Once aboard, they can enjoy a 12-person dining carriage, an office for the monarch to work in several bedrooms and bathrooms. Interiors are, as you would expect, polished but not overly opulent. Okay. Um, in a Channel 5 documentary, Secrets of the Royal Train, former staff said some, some items you could find in home base. Wow. So, look, it's not laden with luxury, but 50,000 K per trip, um, which is about 25,000 pounds. So, that blows my mind. 50 K for a train ride. Amazing.
0: 1,500
8: bucks for some water from Slash Mountain. The world's getting expensive, Mark. <laughs> now you want my fact,
0: y- and I'm going to mm. stick with money.
8: I'm going to stick with money. I'm going to stick with people who know about transport, Elon Musk. Yes. So, Elon Musk is a rich... man, 10. Apparently, and he's a very rich man, as we all know. In fact... Um, he lost a lot of money recently. He became the first person to lose, like some. Well, he became the person to lose the most amount of money ever because he lost like a like fifty billion in a, in a week. Doesn't phase Elon because if he lost ninety nine point nine percent of his wealth, ninety nine point nine percent, how much do you reckon he'd still have left over? I don't know. Hundred and forty mil. God, <laughs> 99.9%. If I lost that much staff, I'd have about a dollar. He is going to keep 140 mil. So it's, uh, it's not all doom and gloom in the Musk household.
0: Mm. I like his tongue-in-cheek humour. He, he, of course, he owns Twitter now. And after he bought Twitter, he tweeted out and said, might buy Australia next. <laughs> That's pretty good.
8: I, You know, not not to get too political here, but I was actually listening to a podcast of a uh, a very well-known content creator by the name of MrBeast. You know those YouTube videos he does where he gives away mm. millions of dollars. It's a great, show. And he actually raised a really good point. He said, look, you know, a lot of people are complaining about Twitter and, and blue, the blue check and everything. One thing for a content creator has been great is that now all the comments or a lot of the comments that are on your videos and on your tweets that are from verified accounts – you sort of know that they're going to be the most valuable because they're paying, like, the bots won't pay to have an account. Mm. These people are paying to have an account, so they won't waste their time tweeting out things that that mean nothing. So quite often the feedback on your videos, the verified ones, are the most authentic, and that's only been achieved because people now have to pay for the tick.
0: I nearly joined Twitter Blue. Did you? Because it reduces the number of ads. And the oh. one thing on social media I can't, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or the hot Instagram, is the ads. Mm. And it reduces significantly the amount of ads. And Twitter's the main one I use. And so... I'd n- love
8: to see a blue tick next to your name.
0: Nine bucks a month to get rid of ads. Do it, Steph. I'm almost tempted to do it.
8: Once you start buying baby food for lunch, you'll have a bit of <laughs> extra coin to, you know, you'll be making some savings. But
0: at the moment, lunch is costing me nothing because I don't eat it. I don't eat it. Uh, very quickly... Just a story off stuff. I'm going to credit stuff for this. It's good stuff. Um, a New Zealand University student, she's an exchange student in Ireland, has just done a shop in Ireland and compared it to the prices in New Zealand. Sam, I want you to add this up. You go to the supermarket. Add this up roughly. In my head. Yeah. Okay. Roughly, if you went to the supermarket, yep. Katie's looking after Charlie. Yep. Sam, here is your shopping list. Yes. Just add it up in your head. Okay. A kilo of frozen veggies. Yep. Some pita bread. Uh, yep. A uh, packet of sausages. Yep. A tub of ice cream. Yep. Um, a box of kiwi fruit. Box
8: of ki- a box.
0: What's a box? Like about six. Okay. A uh, packet of rice cakes. Yep. Packet of chicken patties. Uh, th- yep. Five hundred grams of pasta. Yep. Some pasta sauce. Yep. A kilo of carrots. Kilo of carrots. Yep. Um, Jar of peanut butter. Yep. Picks. Block of chocolate. Block of chocolate. Yep. uh, Bottle of soy sauce, nearly finished. Yep. Sweet chilli sauce. Yep. Kilo of rice. Yep. Packet of hot chocolate. Yep. A big box of laundry powder.
4: Big box of
0: laundry powder. Uh, Yes. Loaf of bread. Yes. Packet of muesli. Yep. of cherry tomatoes. Yeah, packet of biscuits. Yeah, bag of onions. <laughs> yeah, some feta cheese. Yes, two to go. Head of broccoli. Yep. and a packet of tofu. I think I've got it all there. One hundred and thirty-four. One hundred and thirty-four. Cost her fifty-seven. In, in Ireland. In Ireland. Thirty-two. Thirty-two euro. Fifty-seven dollars. And what does it cost here? Um, well, does they someone went to Countdown Mount Roskill and the carton of kiwi fruit was seven dollars fifty. She paid a dollar ninety. So we'd have a total there? Like,
8: am I close with 134?
0: Uh, they haven't done a New Zealand shop, oh, but she, she said she was... feels like it's somewhere between a third and half the price. Yeah, and well, she definitely. A, she's yeah. a student from Dunedin. I,
8: I have a bit of a theory, and it, it sort of excludes meat because meat is more expensive, but I've got a theory that, on average, when you average everything out, every item in your basket costs between four and five, like, four or five bucks. So mm. go four bucks. So if you had 20 items, it would cost you 80 bucks. Mm. And, yep, some are going to be worth one, some will be worth two, some will be worth five and six. But they generally average out to about 4 bucks. But then when you throw on meats, you start going into the 10s and the 15s. So Mm. I went 134 I thought that was close. Mm. Yeah. Mm,
0: Not bad. Hey, uh, we're going to take new sport and weather after that. We're going Pacing for Purpose is back on the radar. And we're also, I've got some really good texts that are coming about the baby food, etc. And we'll also be playing the vault soonish. Don't ring now. Soonish.
1: It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2.
8: Just before I get into this, someone's texting in saying, read the backyard chicken story on stuff. die warnings for your perfect lawn. It's a bit scary because I do want some chickens as well.
0: Doesn't sound like for any eggs. of both. Uh, Very quickly too, Ken's texted in. He's heading to Christchurch for a funeral. Sympathies, Ken. But he's going there tomorrow night. So Christchurch listeners, please text through on double eight double three. He wants to know any good restaurants down there. So there you go. Um, he's asked me. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and I know there's an, a whole lot of developments going down in the beautiful city of Christchurch so Christchurch folk could you please text into the show double eight double three, restaurant recommendations for Christchurch for Ken and I'll read them out to Ken you've only got a few minutes so get them in and I'll, I'll fire them out now pacing for purpose Sam
8: yeah thanks to the good folks at Harness Racing uh, live the dream staff get involved with Harness Racing today HRNZ.co.nz and we are going to Winton on
0: Saturday Winton Race number three, Saturday race three. So twelve forty-five. It's the Southland Vehicle Sales mobile pace uh, for three-year-old Nova, non-winning paces. Twenty-four hundred meters, mobile start. Right. You know the first thing I do because you've picked these, haven't you? Mm-hmm. So you like um, trainer drivers, like the trainer is driving it in the race. So I see Richard Stevens says it, not great form. Earl Swain, not great form. Brent Barclay, now there's some form. Smart I am, Brent Barclay, trainer, driver, Peter Hunter. There's a heap of them. I'll go yours. I'll have two guesses. My first guess is Smart I am, Brent Barclay, uh, four starts for two seconds. No, nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's number five. I'll carry on down. Oh, look, I don't know. There's a first starter here.
8: I tell you what, I um I always liked the TV series McLeod's Daughters.
0: Tack to McLeod, number ten.
8: Did you ever watch that show,
0: McLeod's Daughters?
1: I think I did by accident. Wasn't bad, eh? There's
8: one scene that I remember where one of them like falls into a silo full of rice or wheat or something. Mm. And ends up I don't know, I think she ends up dying. Sorry to ruin the uh, the TV series oh, plot for you. Well, no, people die in the show, man. Like, what's the main guy? And he dies for, like, two or three years, and then he just comes back, and it turns out he wasn't even dead. But when he comes back, he's all weird and dopey, and uh, I think that's how the series goes, And these, I'm remembering it wrong, but uh, I'll have to re-watch that. Tech McLeod, staff, tell us a little bit about Tech
0: McLeod, or I could because I obviously picked him. Well, it's, it's a first starter, unbeaten in trials and workouts, got a big motor. Um, actually, no, it has the motor to overcome this draw. Where's it drawing second on the second row? Mm, Not bad. So it's going to be in behind (laughs) Blackadder off the mobile arm. If it gets a passage, who knows? Nathan Williamson on the drive. Nathan Williamson drive. Trevor Proctor, the drive. Uh, the trainer. First starter. Good luck, Sam. I reckon we'll get him. You reckon you'll get him? Yeah. You get him up? Yeah. Um, Quick text message, afternoon Stefanator. $2.90 for the black caps. That's a bit short, isn't it? Or is that because of the unpredictable nature of T20? It is. The shorter the game, the more luck comes in and the more the prices come together, if you know what I mean. So while Afghanistan might be very slim chance to beat us in a test match because that's long, a T20, prices closer together. I think that sort of explains it. Sam's not wrong with the baby food. The Waddy's mango custard is beautiful. And to be honest, I buy more for me than I do him. The kiddo yogurt too. I dad tax those. The wee man is too, and he has them as a treat. I just has have them because I can. <laughs> nice. Steffi Sam, some useless information, lads. Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon, ate baby food in a tube on his moon mission. Yes. Um... Scotty Logan, stick to Masashi, 45 gram protein bars at work, Staffy. Fills you up and tastes great and low calorie. I'm not endorsed by them, although I'd like to be. Scotty Logan, PT. You get them from the chemist's warehouse too. I know that for a fact. Um, Staffy, Mark Reason finally talking since. Tell Beaver not to read his column. Hmm, okay. Uh, Sammy, read the backyard chicken story on stuff here. Dire warnings for your perfect lawn, Sammy. Right, uh, some uh, restaurants to come through. I will get to those before the end of the show. Ken, uh, our good cross folk are texting through. Restaurant recommendations for cross But straight after the break, we're going to play the vault. $200 TAB bonus bet up for grabs now. You've had a number of clues Monday, Tuesday. We've hit Thursday. You get three questions, none from me, all from you. 0800-150-811 if you want to play the vault.
3: Three questions, one answer. Can you crack
0: the vault? Oh, it's crunch time. It's crunch time on the afternoons with Stevie Show here on ECNZ. $200 TAB bonus bet up for grabs if someone can unlock the vault. Sammy, you're in charge of the chocolate wheel. What did it spin up? (laughs) Simon from Auckland. G'day, Simon. How you going? Hey, Simon. Not bad. Have you been listening to the last two days of Clues?
9: Yeah, had a
0: wee lift in the air. Excellent. You got any ideas? Without telling us what they are.
9: Yeah. Three or four. That's That's good. good. That's
8: good. You got a couple of backups. All right, so you got three questions, and then uh, at the end of that, you have a guess. We'll find out if you've won the 200, otherwise it'll carry over to 250 tomorrow, Steph. So, take it away, Simon. Question one.
9: Okay. Does it involve, like one of
8: the two? Is one of the two players John McEnroe? Is one of the two players John McEnroe? Yes, it is. Oh. oh!
9: Um.
1: Okay.
9: Um. Big question. Is it
0: three eh? Three. Yep. You got two more. Two more.
9: Um. Is the year
8: 19... Oh, no. Yeah, um... 1981? Is the year 1981? Wow, that's exact. Very precise, nice. Simon. So precise that it is indeed Ooh. 1981. Oh, Simon, I've
0: got a good feeling! Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh. One more question and then a guess.
9: Okay.
0: Does it does it involve an outburst with an umpire? does it involve an outburst with an umpire. Mm. Outburst. I'm just writing this down. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Umpire
8: Simon. It does involve an outburst with an umpire. Wow. So, okay. your time for your guess, mate. And remember, the Volt is picky, very picky. So you need to get as many details as you can here in order to, to unlock the old girl and take home the two hundy. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Um, I think it was um, McEnroe's first first round match in 1981. Um, and there was an outburst directed at an, an elderly chair umpire with the words, You cannot be serious!
8: <laughs> Do you know what uh, competition it was at?
9: Wimbledon,
8: sorry. Wimbledon, okay. So I'm just going to like that. So, you know, 1981, Wimbledon, John McEnroe, first A- round. Elderly cheer like umpire. Elderly cheer Blow up. You can't be serious. Let's punch that in and see if you're right. Oh, Access. sorry. That is, the, no. uh, wrong, <laughs> that is the wrong button. I'm just going to punch that in again.
5: Man, you cannot be serious!
2: That ball was on the line! Chalk flew up! It was clearly it! How can you
1: possibly call that out? How many you can miss? No, you can repeat it. You can repeat it. It wasn't anything. We're not gonna have a point taken away because this guy's an incompetent
8: fool. You know that? that's what he is. That's what he is, all right? So we're not gonna have a point taken away because I said nothing that was like a scene or anything.
0: Wow, there you go,
4: Simon.
8: you nailed
0: it. You beauty. Two hundred dollar TIB bonus bet, mate. Nice boys. Thank you.
9: Fantastic.
0: Well you can well spread that out over the next few days. Tell
8: you what, I when I was getting that audio staff, I watched the uh well, naturally, watched the clip of McEnroe and I thought the ball was in. There you go.
0: I thought it was in. Did you? Yeah. Can't be serious. You can't
9: be serious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Simon, congratulations, mate. Well done.
9: Cheers,
0: Steffi. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Simon out of Auckland getting the TAB, TAB bonus bet of $200. So we kick it off again tomorrow with 100 Sam's going to have to go and find a new little uh, Voltski, a new little Voltsky, uh instrument. Now, restaurant recommendations for Ken in Christchurch. Here we go, Ken. Pen and paper at the ready. Or you can listen to it back on the podcast. Ken needs to go to Fifth Street Restaurant. Best in the city, especially if you don't want to pay for parking in the CBD. That's from Sess. Fifth Street Restaurant. There's one, Ken. Uh, Kenny says, I'd cook you a barbecue, Ken, and toast the death of the blues rugby. But I'm playing master's hockey, so I can't. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a new radio love romance bromance between Ken and Kenny um, uh, from Jake. Mean Christchurch restaurants are Winnebago's, Sakura Japanese, Velvet Burger, and The Birdwood, uh, from John, King of Snake, best food in Christchurch. King of Snake, never heard of that one. Um, here's one, number four bar and restaurant in Mirivale, and they're a good SENZ client. Well, we'd have to recommend them very highly. Number four bar and restaurant in Mirivale. Um, Kenny said, 27 steps on New Regent Street. Uh, Kenny's also said, or try Enati on Hereford Street, E-N-A-T-I. Now, if you're a steak person, the best steak in New Zealand is at Bessie's, B-E-S-S-I-E-S, Bessie's in Christchurch, and that comes from a Wellingtonian. So no tribalism, no localism, no local patriotism from a Christchurch person. This is a Wellingtonian saying the best steak in New Zealand is at Bessie's in Christchurch. So there's your recommendations, Ken. There's your recommendations, and we wish you well on your trip to Christchurch. Sorry it's for a funeral, but uh, some good foodage recommendations for you. We'll take our last break. The run, actually, no, it's not the run home. It's um, Phoenix Nation, Ricardo Ball, We'll come to you between 3 and 4, and then the run home from 4 till 7. Don't forget, we've got the Australian Open Life commentary tonight at 9 o'clock, which you will enjoy wholeheartedly, because we've got fantastic commentators covering it. Uh, we'll have a look back in the day after this. Here's what happened back in the day. And of course it's been January the 26th a number of times over the years. And in 1986, the Chicago Bears scored a famous 46-team victory over the Patriots in Super Bowl XX in New Orleans. Uh, they were 3-0 down and they scored 44 unanswered points and added a safety late in the game. They were loaded with personalities including uh, Mike Ditka, um, coach Mike Ditka, and quarterbacks Jim McMahon and defensive lineman William The Refrigerator Perry. Who can forget him? He was a colossal man. (coughs) Excuse me. January 26, 1993. uh, The West Indies held the narrowest winning margin in test history when they scored a one-run victory over Australia in the fourth test in Adelaide. Chasing 186 for victory and starting their 10th wicket partnership at 144 for nine. Tim May got 42, not out. Craig McDermott got 18 almost became national heroes before McDermott was given out controversially, caught behind by Courtney Walsh.
3: Oh, he's tried to avoid it. It's hit the bat, and he's gone. And the Test match has been won by one run. I can't believe it. The West Indians are delighted. Craig McDermott is so disappointed. It's been a magnificent effort by both sides here today.
0: Birthday's today, 1957. Uh, Born on this day, Shivlal Yadav, uh, Indian Test Spinner, 1961, the greatest of all time NHL hockey player. Gretzky
2: trailing, Gretzky looking, Gary Curry, McSorley to Gretzky, scores! He did it! He did it! The greatest goal scorer in National Hockey League history is Wayne Gretzky.
0: 802nd goal there, Uh, so from one goat to a special one, uh, born on this day in 1963.
3: Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of, of the bottle. I I think I'm a special one.
0: Jose Mourinho. Chris Pringle, also his birthday today. New Zealand fastball, a great slow ball, ball uh, slow ball. Slow ball bobbler. Yes, that's what it is. Uh, the number one movie in 1983 was Tootsie, and the number one song in
1: 83.
6: Thank
0: you all for your company today. It's Friday. Tomorrow It's the return of the Jeremy Fall Show, and Mike Dawson will be in studio, having just returned from the South Pole. What an exhibition that would have been. That's from 1 till 2. Phoenix Nation up next. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you, Captain Kate. We'll do it all again tomorrow from noon.